Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. This is the EWN Radio Network. The title of your show, Life Interrupted, is so perfect for me. I'm sort of a poster child for the late flowering of self after a lifetime of self-denigration and self-criticism that kept me from even leaving the starting point. Cue music. Places, everybody places. We're starting in three. It's time for Life Interrupted Radio, a show dedicated to practical skills for your mind, body, and soul. We're hoping we'll go in one ear and stay there. Here's the host of the show, Sharon Saylor. Welcome, everyone, to Life Interrupted Radio. Oh, my goodness, it's my weekend. I just love weekends. I hope it's yours. I hope it's the start of yours. And I always love starting out the weekend with you. As always, I've got my wonderful cup of tea here. And today, you know what? It's been one of those days, so I actually caffeine. I have an Irish breakfast tea. I know it's not breakfast, but whatever. It's good, right? I wanted to stay really up and alert and aware for our guest tonight. Not that I don't do that for everybody, but you know what? I met Sarah about a year ago, and I heard her give a talk that just blew me away. It changed so many ways of how I look about behavior and the way we do things and why we do things. So I had to have Sarah on. She's a busy, busy lady, and our schedules just sort of kept passing in the night. So we bumped into each other, oh, what, a month ago, you know, at a conference, and I said, that's it. We've got to set a time. So we did. So Sarah's on. Sarah Payton is on with us tonight, and she's an international speaker, facilitator, and she has a passion for weaving together neuroscience and experiences of healing that unify people with their brains and their bodies. Wow, that sounds really heavy, I know. <laughs> but she has a way of breaking down this interpersonal neurobiology into like things we can really understand and useful things we can use, really use it for. She's very funny, and she's filled with really a lot of great personal stories that make it relevant to all of us. And understanding how our nervous systems control far more than we think they do. <laughs> Not just our brain, but our whole nervous system. And her presentations are so filled with self-acceptance and self-compassion that I just had to have her on for Life Interrupted Radio. She's a certified trainer in nonviolent communication. She's on the faculty of Birthing Way Midwifery College, teaching communication, of course. And gosh, wouldn't you want a great communicator when you're giving birth? I sure did. <laughs> that would have been nice. <laughs> she's an experienced facilitator with family constellation work, and she speaks and writes all around the world about how nonviolent communication and family constellation work and the world of neuroscience research and brain studies and all of that come together to make one fascinating field. So tonight we're going to learn about how to stay balanced and maintain relationships with our own nervous system. 
and the voices of self-criticism, oh, guilty there, <laughs> and <laughs> how we can easily change our brains and heal ourselves. So welcome, Sarah. I am so thrilled to have you on. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm really honored and happy to be here with you and with everyone that we're in contact with right now. Oh, my goodness. I am so thrilled because, you know, when I heard you last year give your talk, it just made so much sense. It it was connecting so many dots for me that I either learned bits and pieces about, so I had dots, or I had little bits of missing information. And once I heard you talk about the uh, the nervous system, and including the brain, and how that all works, I went, oh, it makes so much sense now. Tell a little story. How did you get to be this expert in understanding, I mean, like neurobiology and nonviolent communication? It's just a wide plethora of things that you know. Thank you for that question. And the the title of your show, Life Interrupted, is so perfect for me. I'm I'm uh, sort of a poster child for the late flowering of self after a lifetime of self-denigration and self-criticism that kept me from even leaving the starting gate. I came out of my early childhood experience with a tremendous capacity to have, just to cut into myself with razors. So anything that I thought of just was immediately slashed to ribbons before I even began to create it or manifest it or reach for it. It was particularly clear to me as I was parenting that what I was doing was taking exactly what I had experienced and giving it to my son even though I didn't want to. kind of came to one day when I was standing over him and and just, just I was he was on a blanket that I was shaking. I was shaking with rage and I thought this has to stop. He was, he was six years old, you know, five years old. He was a little guy. He just didn't want to go to school. came to a place where, for my child, I needed to fall forward instead of falling back. And it was uh, it happened at a beautiful time because it was right when um, the founder of Nonviolent Communication, Marshall Rosenberg, had, he was at a peak. He was traveling all over the world, speaking. I had listened to his DVDs as I was driving around doing the business that I was doing. And I went to see him, and I thought, Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn a lot from being in his presence. It's gonna change my life. I had him memorized from the CDs, and when he spoke, he said the same thing that was on the CDs. And I was like, Ah, oh, I know it by heart. What am I going to do? And one of the women who was there, also watching, said, I'd like to do an empathy circle. And I thought, Okay, something I haven't tried before. I'm gonna try this. I went and I sat in a circle with other people I had never met before and they started guessing what was important to me in the issue that was alive for me. I was talking about myself, my my self-hate, my my inability to 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 move forward, the way that it stopped me from relationships with my children and people instead of trying to fix me were wondering what was really the most important thing for me. Wow. And I experienced change for the first time in my life. I was like, how did that happen? And it was at the same time that cognitive and uh, social neuroscience was just starting to flower out of the decade of the brain, out of all of the MRI 
research that had been done where they were putting people into the MRI machines and they were looking at what happened when they thought about relationships. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they found, my favorite neuroscience researcher, Matthew Lieberman, discovered that when people named the emotions that they were experiencing, their brain calmed. Later, he also did some beautiful research that shows that people never believe that that's going to happen. Like they mm-hmm. think about naming their feelings and they say to themselves, that's not a good idea. And so most people don't do it. Most people try to reframe or think about things in a different way or distract themselves or do something healthy like going for a run or going for a walk in the woods. But what I was experiencing was this, that the naming of emotional experience was changing my brain. Changing, actually changing your brain. That it was, that it was different for me to live inside of my own body and inside of my own brain, and I was starting to experience moments of peace. This this was not even thinkable for me. I had lived uh, in a world where I tried to meditate. I had tried mindfulness, and as soon as I stopped, the razors of my own internal self-criticism became so intense that it was like torture. It was like having my fingernails pulled to try to do mindfulness. Yeah, so this experience of entering my own emotional world but entering it with the accompaniment of other humans was very extraordinary for me. And I was fascinated by all of the research that was coming out that was supporting a deepening understanding of how much we need to be accompanied in this world and how tricky it is to find relationships that feel like they really do accompany us. So part of then what I discovered was the work that you experienced, which was Stephen Porges' work about the vagus nerve, V-A-G-U-S. Mm-hmm. And what he put together was that, as scientists have always said, there's fight and flight and there's freeze, but there's also the place of engagement that our nervous systems move into when we really feel safe in the world. And when we really feel safe in the world, everything changes. Our face changes, the way we use our eyes changes, the muscles of our middle ear tighten to the sound range of the human voice. Our voice voice box opens, our voice starts to express the truths of our emotional experience, and our lungs open to make our system run on oxygen. When we're experiencing the self-criticism that I had lived with for so many years, our systems are running on cortisol. Mm-hmm. Immune systems are actually producing cells that would try to protect us against sword wounds and bruises, repairing cells, infection-fighting cells. Instead of creating the cells that would fight viruses and colds and flus and also would fight cancer, all of those kinds of cells the immune system doesn't produce unless we're running on oxygen. Wow. Yeah. Well, I was just curious about this idea of safety. That might be foreign to some listeners before because I do know 
people that are attracted to Life Interrupted Radio, some of them come from that place. Whether it was their own self-criticism or they've lived with criticism or they've lived in a place that wasn't safe. My question is, what are some things that you can help people understand to uh, make it a safe environment for themselves? Because I, that could be a foreign concept to some people. Like, what what do you mean? Yes, yes. Safe. <laughs> It was the same concept to me also before I started this particular journey. Part of safety is things that are really glaringly obvious. Like, it's difficult for our system to run on oxygen and relax if we're in a situation, a home situation where there's violence, when there's addiction, when there's a constant sense of that our housing might be removed at any moment due to financial difficulties. So I want to acknowledge that there are real-world experiences that we can be in that that make it much more challenging to really relax. But for many of us, the danger is old. It is from when we were little and we didn't have any power and we didn't have any choice. It's like we carry the danger that we lived in when we were children with us. Now, this is partly because a very wonderful and essential organ in our brain, so if we think of the brain in the palm of the hand, this would be the limbic system, this would be the brainstem, the forearms, the brainstem here. And then if we fold the thumb over, this represents a different kind of tissue that we don't see when we look at the brain, but hidden inside on top of the brainstem. This tissue here is called the limbic system, and the brain curls around it. And the way our brain works is that this is kind of the engine of our being. It's the engine of our love. It's the engine of our fear. It's the engine of relationships. And there are all sorts of neural connections that run between the rest of the brain and the engine of the brain. So here in this engine of the brain, we have the amygdala. And the amygdala is like our automatic alarm system. And it wants to make us safe. So it's scanning everything that comes in to see whether or not we're safe. And it has no sense of time. It doesn't know what time it is. For the amygdala, it's always danger time. Hmm. So here we are, we come out of childhood, we had a difficult experience with the older sibling, say. The older sibling was generally a foot or so taller than us, outweighed us by 30% or something. We get close to somebody who is taller than us and outweighs us by 30%. All of a sudden, our amygdala is going, danger, danger. I mean, this could be a person in a Santa Claus suit who's, you know, handing out lollipops in the mall. And we can be going, huh. It's just like moving into terror because the amygdala doesn't know what time it is. For the amygdala, we're still a little one in relationship with a scary bigger one. So part of this journey of coming away from having razors that cut us to shreds inside of our own brain is to begin to see the little ones that we were with eyes of compassion. One way to do this is to take a look at children that you see that are around you and find out how old they are and start to think about what happened to you 
when you were two years old, when you were four years old, when you were seven years old? What was your home like? Because if your home was scary, if there was domestic violence that you witnessed, it actually leaves a trace in your brain. Mm-hmm. It's abuse of any kind. It's each different kind of abuse changes the way the brain grows. Even being bullied by our peers leaves a different kind of a mark on the brain. So the more that we begin to hold ourselves as children with compassion and resonance, we'll talk about resonance in a moment, the more we begin to create neural fibers that are running from the part of our brain that's capable of compassion to the part of our brain that believes we're still little. Oh, okay. And a lot of people, when they do this connecting with their with themselves, a lot of people will say, "Oh, you, I'm so sorry," or "You're going to be all right." I want you to know you're going to be all right. Neither of which really acknowledge the child's experience. So, what seems to change the brain more than anything else is when you would say to the little one that you were, "No wonder." Right. Yeah. So those words. No wonder, no wonder you were scared. Of course it was scary. There were people hitting each other. No wonder you, no wonder you're angry. Isn't it nice when you get to be listened to? So that's the key phrase in a way that we'll, we can begin to work with to start to change our own relationship with ourselves. Mm. Such a different point of view, rather than saying, you stupid little girl, why couldn't you figure something else out? To say, oh, no wonder you couldn't figure anything out. Look, you were four years old. Look at this four-year-old. How much power does this four-year-old have in this world? So that's one. There are, there are a bunch of different ways that we can begin to introduce to our brains this idea that warmth for self is possible. Often it's by surprising our brains with something new, like looking at a real child and going, hmm, I wonder how this four-year-old would deal with that. Wow, that is just a fascinating, because that changes, once again, yeah. <laughs> changing the way that I look at how this all works. Yeah. Absolutely understanding that is a very powerful way to help somebody understand their what's going on in their brain and to help them build safety for themselves. And it also, I think, gives another beautiful way that if you know someone going through it, how you can help support them by acknowledging that what power they didn't have and then helping to encourage and walk them through the ways that they can now, which we have to take a quick commercial break, but I know Sarah's going to share with us when we come back from this quick commercial break, some of those ways that we begin to integrate that four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old and understanding no wonder that happened then and now. So we'll, ta- we'll be talking about some of the ways we begin to integrate those and begin to integrate the brain so it feels safe. And I'm glad you acknowledged, Sarah, just the idea that there are unsafe environments. But when we are in a safe environment now, and we know we're in a safe environment, how we can begin to heal. So everyone, we need to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be back in just a moment with Sarah Payton. 
Life Interrupted Radio will return after these messages from our sponsors. It's great sponsors like these that keep this show coming to you every week. Be sure and stop by LifeInterruptedRadio.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by MindfulnessInActionBook.com. To get your free four-minute guided meditation to relax, refresh, and renew in just four minutes, and who doesn't have four minutes? Stop by MindfulnessInActionBook.com now. This guided meditation is in handy MP3 format, so you can use it anywhere, anytime. Download it now at MindfulnessInActionBook.com. Do you want to be a better leader, have better relationships, become more self-aware, be a better communicator? Hi, I'm Sharon Saylor, best-selling author, professional speaker, and executive coach. And my life passion is empowering professionals to be the best that they can be. After years of working with professionals, I've discovered the seven things nobody is telling you that can cost you your clients, sales, and even your career. And I want to give it to you free. You've heard my show. You know my passion. And maybe we'll be working together sooner rather than later. So go grab this ebook now to find out the seven things that's costing you big time. Over at SharonTaylor.com forward slash radio gift. Welcome back, everyone, to Life Interrupted Radio. It's been my pleasure. I've just been mesmerized once again by Sarah Payton. She is an amazing researcher and teacher and writer and just someone who helps us experience self-acceptance, self-compassion, and her background is in interpersonal neurobiology. I know that's like, like, what is that? But she'll share with us what that is, as well as being a certified trainer in nonviolent communication. And I could just go on and on about being a family constellation work and everything, but uh, I want to get right ahead, make sure we have enough time because Sarah's been sharing some amazing, juicy things with us about how we can change and a self-acceptance and uh, actually change those messages we send ourselves and why some of the stuff we've been taught sounds good, but it doesn't really affect any long-term change. It might feel good in the moment, but it doesn't affect any long-term change. She's going to share with us some ways that we can actually have it stick. <laughs> so, Welcome back, Sarah. Thanks for being on Life Interrupted Radio. And I really appreciate this idea of looking at small people. I have a two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter, and you're right. I don't remember what it was like at two-and-a-half other than some scary things and when I look at her I go I do go oh my gosh no wonder just her understanding of the world and how she approaches the world and and the things that she understands and she still believes that she's invisible if she goes find me daddy find me daddy (laughs) no wonder as you say so let's talk a little bit about going a little deeper into once we begin to look at the children in our world and understand oh my gosh, no wonder we have these fears or we have these understandings that no longer are true. They were relevant at one time, but now we're like, hmm, I don't have to operate from that four-year-old or six-year-old, eight-year-old mind. I I can put more knowledge, I can research, I can learn more from people like yourself. What are some ways we can begin to integrate I had mentioned this idea of of the surprise and also of understanding the difference between 
reassurance and resonance. So when we think about being connected with ourselves, we can begin to ask this question, what, what's here? What's the most important thing? So it's also kind of interesting and radical and fun to bring this inquiry to the voice of self-criticism itself, which is another way that we can begin to change. So, for example, if I were to just slow things down far enough to be able to catch my voice of self-criticism, I might say to myself, Sarah, so as I was driving home, traffic was much worse. I volunteer at a women's prison teaching this material afternoon, and I didn't want to not go in order to be sure to be home. So I got home with just 10 minutes to spare, which was not very long. <laughs> and I was driving and I was mad at myself. I was like, what did you think what did you think you were doing? Scheduling things so close together. So if I stop and I listen to that voice and I go, "Oh, voice of self-criticism. Are you angry? Are are you do you love integrity?" Are you thinking about all the people we'll be able to connect with and being able to connect with Sharon today? Are you so longing to contribute? Do you love it when the message gets out that we do not have to live in our own self-made hells anymore? And that voice might, voice might go, yes, yes, and you always do this. And oh, the always and never. Always and never, <laughs> yes. And so I might say, oh, are you, so I'm talking to the voice again, Sarah, are you discouraged? you feel a little hopeless sometimes? Are you longing for there to be breathing room? And the voice goes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so as we start to have kind of, it's almost like we get to begin to move into a dialogue between the part of ourselves that holds the pain and the part of ourselves that has the capacity for compassion. And it's something that's always avail- available to us. In the beginning, i got to say, it doesn't feel that available. There, are, It's really sweet to be able to get involved in a nonviolent communication practice group or to start to read Marshall's work or he has wonderful DVDs. A woman in the prison was just telling me that she was listening to CD sets and things and that it was really helping. So to find one's way to a place where you can start to experience the way I'm talking to myself to begin to integrate it. Because in the beginning, remember I said how important it is to be accompanied. Mm-hmm. That as humans, we actually have integrated all of the voices that have been important to us. We carry them inside of our own brain. So if you think about the brain in the palm of your hand and how empathy is like a, a curling around and a nestling and a cradling and a nourishing of our emotional selves, then this experience of somebody else doing it with us kind of creates this being held. And we're holding one another with language in this new way. And as we do this, the whole nervous system and the body calm and we start to be able to really experience who we really are. Because until we feel safe in the world, we don't know who we really are. Oh, that's that's powerful. That's powerful. I wanted to mention one idea about uh, the voices and our own voices and then the voices of others holding us in compassion and being there for us. At first, I had a hard time with that concept until 
I was able to acknowledge that I also had the opposite. A negative uh, thing would come into my mind, and it would feel a little foreign to me, but it was still felt relevant, but but a little foreign. And when I first said, whose voice is that? And one time answered back that it wasn't me, <laughs> it was somebody else, <laughs> uh, you know, outside of me. <laughs> yes. I I had that moment of, wow, I integrated that person, their belief system, lock, stock, and barrel right into how I operate in the world. And when I was able to see that duality, okay, if I could do it on the negative, let's do it on the positive. Absolutely. Let yourself be loved by humans. It's one of my mottos. Let yourself let in the the sweetness of people. That yeah, even if they're cranky, even if they're even if they do things that we don't enjoy, let yourself really dine on the idea that they love us. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. When you bring that up, I'm thinking about nowadays. I tend to do what I call just give people the benefit of the doubt. I was raised in a situation where it was always things like, what would the neighbors think? And having to um, always be on guard about being aware of everything going on. But one of the things that surprised me was as I became an adult with an adult brain, it's not about me. (laughs) I mean, if somebody's grumpy in the world... Maybe, you know, 99.9 tenths of the time, I didn't cause that grumpiness. <laughs> right. I wanted to add, I know we're coming to the towards the end of the time that we have together. There are free, free guided meditations on my website, which is empathybrain.com, where people can experience some of what I'm talking about, like hear my voice and walk through things themselves. Oh, my goodness. Do you have time to hold on through the next segment? Can we squeeze another 15 minutes out of you, Sarah? Okay, well, (laughs) fantastic. Then let's talk about those. But we can um, talk about those right now, if you like. Delve into any more work that you want to share with us, because these tips are so important and so relevant for people who are going through interruptions in their lives right now. Oh, so true. Yeah. Well, I had mentioned that I wanted to speak a little moment to people who are in situations that are difficult. Yes. Who are in situations of domestic violence, of people who are in active relationships with children or spouses or parents who are suffering from addiction. And to just just to say, you get to look at your adult self with that compassion, too. You get to see the one who's doesn't feel like she has a choice or like he has a choice, you get to see that one and say, no wonder. Think of, for example, somebody's been living with addiction for a number of years. How many years is it since you've had a full night's sleep? No wonder you can't figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. How, how often are you trying to make the world safe for your children by sacrificing yourself? No wonder. No, look at that love. See the incredible love that you have for your children. And allow there to be a holding with gentleness of yourself in any moment when there is trauma. Because this is another part of the running on oxygen, is that when we're actively in a trauma, whether it's a remembered trauma, because remember the amygdala has no sense of time, or whether it's a real-time trauma, we're not able to operate with our full resources. We'll be either in fight or flight, or we'll be in freeze. 
we'll be in a place where our nervous system actually starts running at about one sixtieth of the speed that it one, runs. One sixtieth. When we freeze, yeah, fight or flight is fast. Engagement is also fast, but it's ple- it's pleasant. Fight or flight is fast, and it's not so pleasant. But our and our heart rate can pound, and our nervous system is going at about one hundred and twenty miles an hour. Oh, sorry, meters per second, not miles per hour. One hundred and twenty <laughs> meters per second. Oh, it all sounds good. So 120 miles an hour sounds fast, too. <laughs> but meters per second. <laughs> but when we freeze, when we, when, we go, when we have a feeling of helplessness, which can be so key in any moment of trauma, when we have an experience of helplessness, then our bodies will freeze. And when our bodies freeze, then our nervous system starts moving much more slowly. And in that slow movement, we can be confused at our own lack of responsiveness. Stephen Porges just published a beautiful a beautiful piece of research and writing where he's talking about what would happen to people who had experienced any kind of assault and they had frozen. That those people might look at themselves with condemnation and say, why didn't you move? Why didn't you do something? Why didn't you fight back? Mm-hmm. And in actuality, their nervous system is not permitting them to fight back. They're in a place of choicelessness. So holding that also with compassion, I think, is so important for self-understanding and self-compassion. Yeah, I'm just kind of sitting with that, with the seriousness of how important it is to know our nervous systems so that we don't hold ourselves responsible in moments when kind of everything left in order to save our life. the, The freeze is our best our best nervous system choice based on our life experience that that, that lets us survive whatever it is that we're going through. Wow, that's a, that is just amazing, and it explains so much. I, I'm curious if we can go back just one step when we are looking with compassion at ourselves as adults in a traumatic situation, and we use the technique of no wonder. Uh, what are the next steps once we have maybe a clarity like no one you mentioned the lack of sleep and went through a series of things and you're like okay I have clarity on those what would be a next step seek out someone such as yourself or what are what are the next steps once I have some clarity and I'm going well it makes sense but what do I do with it yes very very beautiful question as we begin to create these connections as we begin to to be gentle with, with ourselves and to notice the way that we cut ourselves to shreds and step aside from it like there's a practice of stepping aside and looking at even that action with compassion mm-hmm. and I think it helps to know for example that I've done this that you've done this that, that, we're, that we're on a familiar path now and there's a the way that my website is set up, you can do quite a bit of this journey with my voice and try, trying to integrate the material without ever getting to a point where, before you ever get to the point where you reach out for help and support. Reaching out for help and support is, is an incredible move. Noticing who makes you feel better and bringing them inside with you so that you are not trying to make it alone. Mm. We often receive 
the mistaken impression from our childhoods and from our lives in North America that the hero is the person who is doing it alone. Part of this journey is beginning to, again, kind of coming back to that idea of letting ourselves be, be loved by humans, in a way, is the next step. Are we willing to reach out, for example, are we willing to reach out into tw- the 12-step community where there's free support if there's no if there's no financial re- resources for support? Are we willing, if we've got a little bit more resources, are we willing to reach out and start to forge a relationship with a therapist who feels good to us? We don't have to have relationships with therapists who don't feel good to us. Reach out to us and find a therapist that we, that we feel good with and begin to do that journey. Reaching out into into learning, being connected with your radio show is a beautiful, inspiring, and reassuring kind of voice of the no wonder. I mean, the very title of your show, A Life Interrupted, is an acknowledgement that we hit these places. Another thing that helps is to begin to realize that our life energy gets frozen in those moments of trauma. That our life energy stops being available to us when it's in a trauma loop. So the more the work we the more healing work we do where we connect with with resonance and no wonder to those trauma moments, the more we'll actually find that the bodies in the memory it's so interesting what happens with people when you begin to work with memory. I would say to someone, for example, I was working uh, with someone who uh, had quite an intense experience of, of violence within their marriage. And in the memory, she was she was curled up and she couldn't move. And so we stepped back in time. We froze the situation so that she was safe. And we just said, we said, no wonder. No wonder she's frozen. And then as we were there, mm. then she st- and it was like in the memory, her body came back to her. And she was like, oh, I survived. And we were like, are you surprised to that you survived? And she's like, yes. And she said, I'm strong. And I said, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh. That's oh. amazing. You're strong <laughs> and you survived. And she, and she was just like, oh. And I said, would this part of you like to come to present time? where you know that you survived. And she said, yes. And then we can kind of even invite them into present time, say, did you know you're not three anymore? Did you know I live now, for example, in a house with a kind man, dogs that come and greet me when I come in the door, with with a child who's not living with violence, for example. And our, our earlier selves will go, oh, what a relief. And they'll just kind of come and become a part of us. And the most amazing things happen in this process of self-reclamation. Our bodies come alive to us again. For example, I myself in this journey, you find yourself doing the most peculiar things. I took up the cello at the age of 52. I've never played a string instrument. My body's like, we want to learn to play the cello. I'm like, the cello? Okay, we'll get a switcher. You know, <laughs> so there's this surprising <laughs> no matter, and I love it about our brains, that we are neuroplastic and available for change, no matter how old we are. 
Oh, my goodness. Well, we need to take a quick commercial break, but I want you to stay with us, Sarah, because I'm just mesmerized, if you can't tell from the video portion of our of our show here. If you're listening, it's just on audio. Be sure and click, click over and watch it on video as well. But we need to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be back in just a moment. Life Interrupted Radio will return after these messages from our sponsors. It's great sponsors like these that keep this show coming to you every week. Be sure and stop by LifeInterruptedRadio.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by MindfulnessInActionBook.com. To get your free four-minute guided meditation to relax, refresh, and renew in just four minutes, and who doesn't have four minutes? Stop by MindfulnessInActionBook.com now. This guided meditation is in handy MP3 format, so you can use it anywhere, anytime, Download it now at MindfulnessInActionBook.com. Do you want to be a better leader, have better relationships, become more self-aware, be a better communicator? Hi, I'm Sharon Saylor, best-selling author, professional speaker, and executive coach. And my life passion is empowering professionals to be the best that they can be. After years of working with professionals, I've discovered the seven things nobody is telling you that can cost you your clients, sales, and even your career. And I want to give it to you free. You've heard my show. You know my passion. And maybe we'll be working together sooner rather than later. So go grab this ebook now to find out the seven things that's costing you big time over at SharonSailor.com forward slash radio gift. Welcome back to Life Interrupted. And I'm here with Sarah Payton. She is a just an amazing person to share about compassion, self-love, self-change, the ability to change, the neuroplasticity of our brain, interpersonal neurobiology, nonviolent communication, and I could just go on and on. But I wanted to reflect back on the last segment in a couple of places. One of the things that you mentioned was about we get to choose who we want to work with, meaning you don't have to accept someone you don't feel safe with. And that goes beyond, I just want to throw out this idea, that goes beyond just healing our behaviors or our experiences or our past. I've had that experience just in my healing from a recent medical condition that a couple of doctors and I really disagreed on how my life should be lived. And I want people to understand you get to choose those people too. If they, if if you're in severe disagreement, now of course I honored their research, I honored their knowledge, I honored the fact that they had far more knowledge in those areas than I. But in my heart and in those parts of my brain, I just knew that wasn't going to work for me. As much as like I, I I understand what you're saying, I've read the research. Thank you for the you know 25 page research paper, but that's just not going to work for me. So I want people to know you have the ability to say no. That doesn't work for me. If you're working with someone and it just doesn't feel right, it's okay not to have it feel right. Thank you for bringing that up because I think a lot of times we're taught even as adults where we carry this from childhood into adulthood, white coat or letters after the name, they must know. And one of the things that you're pointing to is that when we get to say no, and when we get to claim choice for ourselves, 
we're claiming safety. And our bodies will relax and our immune systems will function much with much more effectiveness when we really have a sense of being able to say no and create safety for ourselves. I'm glad you bring that up, that we're not just talking about the psychological or the brain or talking to parts of ourselves. It actually affects our physical body, our physical well-being and our our general health as well. Actually, that kind of takes me into another little place Go for it, Tara. I love tangential conversations with you, dear, so let's go for it. Where are we headed? Empathy for ourselves. (laughs) Oh, I love that. (laughs) Not only do we have empathy for the parts of ourselves that are in emotional pain, we can bring empathy and resonance to the part of ourselves that's hurting. So if we have carpal tunnel syndrome from typing, we can say to our hands, no wonder you have. I've been using you nonstop for 12 hours. No wonder you're sore. And we might even have some wondering about our hands and say, I wonder I wonder if you are worried about your ability to contribute to my well being. I wonder if you are so longing to contribute and work so hard do you need some acknowledgement of how hard you're working? It's just a wonderful way to even you can just kind of take this resonance, you can use it with with your real children, with your inner children, with your body, with your brain. It's just such a lovely a lovely practice to get into, almost like a, a mindfulness practice, a no-one practice. It's a beautiful <laughs> practice. It really is. One thing that I want you to talk a little bit about that might be foreign to some, to me, I, I'm totally resonating with it, but the, the idea that there's more than one part within us. Sometimes people will say, well, what are you talking about? I'm me. And you'll say something about, well, the inner child even is a very common phrase, but I have a multiple inner child, the two-year-old, the four-year-old, the spoiled eight-year-old, you know what I mean? (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about this idea of, even the idea of acknowledging our hand, just our hands, like our hand, no wonder our hands are tired, versus just saying I'm tired. I, some people might find that kind of foreign. How do we begin to know what part? Yes. Well, here's another. I just I love being able to think about people getting this information. Our body, we have an emotional body. The part of our body that is our emotional body is our gut and our heart and our throat and our face. We tend most to be able to tell what's happening with us emotionally when we bring our attention here. And in North America, we are mostly raised not to bring our attention there. No, to our gut, absolutely. I feel when I'm walking around, and I catch myself doing this a lot myself, even though I've been trained, and that's breathing from, you know, high diaphragm up instead of doing what I like to call 360 breathing, having the feeling it from the whole body, the whole torso is breathing. When your whole torso is breathing, you're running on oxygen. When you're breathing from the diaphragm up, then you're running on cortisol. So it's a beautiful observation. And as we begin to be connected, the reason I brought up the body was because I think it shows the way that we can have more than one experience happening at once. We can... um, be, for example, uh, we might have a teenager that we're really worried about. 
and our stomach is clenched when we when we think about all the dangers in the world that teenagers can run into. And at the same time, our heart is open. We have so much love for this person. And there might even be a deep sense of trust. It's almost a spiritual connection where we have faith and trust. And we can feel that here. So this is a beautiful example of two different parts that almost need two different, no wonders. Mm-hmm. So it's in the body. And it also happens with the amygdala. Because when we come back to the idea of the amygdala, the inside of the brain, the amygdala is the one that doesn't have any sense of time. Not only that, but it stores memory, uh, emotional memory, according to what emotion it was was being experienced at that time. So, for example, this is one of the reasons that we'll have shame spirals. Like, you'll do something you feel bad about, and then all of a sudden there you are remembering 1990. And you return to your store in Hawaii that you really should have kept. You should not have returned those. So, there we go. You know, I mean, it's like a a Christmas tree-like string of memories that are on the string is shame. Or this is what will happen when we start to get angry, right? You get you, Something goes wrong and your, your spouse, you know, your spouse is late to dinner. Well, not only have they been late to this dinner, but they were late to Christmas dinner in 1984. <laughs> you know, it's like, again, it's like a Christmas, it's like the grievances. Those are when those grievances come up there on that Christmas tree light string. So this starts to show another way in which we have parts. We have emotional parts that we can begin to acknowledge and do different no wonders for. Another example is um, those trauma moments that are their own distinct experience of of memory that maybe even have memory connected to them that's not fully conscious. Mm. I was working with a woman in the prison today and we had done a piece of work for her around the experience that sent her to prison. And I said, was it a good thing that we did this work? Was it okay for you that that we did it? I really want to know whether it contributed to you or whether it was too hard on you. And she said, it was very good for me. It was hard, but it was very good. And, you know, I ha- there were memories that started to come back that hadn't been available to me about that time. And so you'll see memories start to come alive we begin again we're reclaiming more of our life energy we're reclaiming more of our life I think this starts to illustrate some of the many different ways in which we can have parts did that begin? oh absolutely because I think a lot of people think about well, parts what are you talking about I'm me and they've never taken the time to sort out where is that coming from and if it is not coming from another voice I've told the story on the show a few times and also in my blog about Mrs. Brostoff, my fifth grade music teacher, and her voice was one of those really awful parts in my head for a while until I went, that's Mrs. Brostoff. No wonder it has nothing to do with me. That was Mrs. Brostoff. Yeah, and so I think it's important for us to, to, I'm glad you brought that up and the idea of the different parts that we can have and how it can begin to spiral. I hadn't heard it called shame spiral before, but it makes so much sense when you use those two words together. But my goodness, we're just about out of time. This has been just 
Oh, amazing. I love these journeys. We're going to have to have you back. But I want to make sure the audience knows how to get a hold of you, your website. I know you have amazing free resources there. And if, as you're listening to this, any of this has resonated with you, how you can get to Sarah's website, learn more about Sarah and her amazing work and healing and, oh my goodness, just understanding yourself at a much deeper level so you can really thrive and, as I always like to say, live the life you were meant to live, right? <laughs> you too. Yeah. So, my dear, share with the audience, how do we get a hold of you? Empathybrain.com. It's one word. It's, it doesn't have any spaces between it. Empathybrain.com. And share with some of the things. I know you've got a ton of free resources. You've mentioned just a little bit about them, but share with us some of the things that we can get over there at empathybrain.com. There are, uh, there are guided meditations. There's an interview that was done with me about why is self-compassion difficult. Um, there's um, there's a way to sign up for my newsletter. Where, which is which fantastic. Has, it's got to sign up for it over at empathybrain.com. Go ahead. <laughs> there's the past newsletters. And then there's uh, information about um, workshops and uh, t- telephone programs so that I work with people all over the world. People from all over the world get on the telephone programs and home study programs, and begin to integrate this material. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. It's just been my honor and pleasure, and I'm so glad after a year we were finally able to catch up and be on together. It's just fantastic, my dear. And we'll have to have you back on, so everyone listening, you know, just keep your eyes and ears open. Every time Life Interrupted Radio comes around, we'll be sure and let you know next time that Sarah's going to be on. Because as you, te- I, you could tell, no matter what little road we take, we find amazing treasures, don't we, Sarah? <laughs> Absolutely. It's been a deep pleasure. Sweet, very sweet for me to okay. be on here. I love your work in the world. Thank you. Thank you. The information provided on LifeInterruptedRadio.com is for educational purposes only. What you hear, read, and see on Life Interrupted Radio is based on experience only. The information presented here should never be used for any legal, diagnostic, or treatment purposes. Always seek sound legal, medical, and or professional advice regarding any problems, conditions, and any of the recommendations you see, hear, or read here on Life Interrupted Radio. You've been listening to Life Interrupted Radio. To learn more, listen to other shows, and gain free resources that can help empower your life, be sure to stop by LifeInterruptedRadio.com. This episode is brought to you by MindfulnessInActionBook.com. To get your free four-minute guided meditation to relax, refresh, and renew in just four minutes, and who doesn't have four minutes? Stop by MindfulnessInActionBook.com now. This guided meditation is in handy MP3 format, so you can use it anywhere, anytime. Download it now at MindfulnessInActionBook.com. Do you want to be a better leader, have better relationships, become more self-aware, be a better communicator? Hi, I'm Sharon Saylor, best-selling author, professional speaker, and executive coach. And my life passion is empowering professionals to be the best that they can be. After years of working with professionals, I've discovered the seven things nobody is telling you that can cost you your clients, sales, and even your career. And I want to give it to you free. You've heard my show, you know my passion, and maybe we'll be working together sooner rather than later. 
So go grab this ebook now to find out the seven things that's costing you big time over at SharonSailor.com forward slash radio gift. This is the EWN Radio Network. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.